And uh, I just want to share with you. So last week was Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. That's the day in which this nation for several years now celebrates life and calls to mind all of those children that didn't get the chance that these foster uh, children are getting to life. Uh, they were imported uh, while, while in the womb. And so this is the Sunday that we set aside to remember. I, I heard this, week, this last week at the conference, uh, maybe we're over 65 million aborted babies since 1973. And so uh, you guys uh, sent uh, Tom and myself and Jeannie and, and uh, <laughs> Margaret to uh, a preaching conference in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Now, some of you will recognize these names. Some of you won't. I heard Vody Bachman preach three times. I heard Tom Askell preach twice. I heard Paul Washer preach twice. I heard uh, Joel Beakey preach three times. So I think, I think that was 10 or 11. And then I was telling the church over during prayer time this morning, there was a young lawyer on the, uh, the program uh, that preached. He was the only non-preacher that preached, and his name is Bradley Pierce. And he is a constitutional lawyer that has dedicated his career to abolishing abortion. And so he brought some things to my attention that I had absolutely no clue of. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So the last legislative session uh, in, in the state of Louisiana, they had an abortion, uh, anti-abortion bill. And uh, you'll need to listen real carefully. An anti-abortion bill that would criminalize the aborting of a baby in the womb. And it passed out of the committee uh, and was passed to the House floor where they had the votes on Friday to pass it. Well, over that weekend, uh, the, there were 77 pro-life groups that came out against that bill. And so the bill never made it to the House floor for a vote. So what I wanted you to think about is this. It's not what you're hearing, but here, here's what I want you to hear, hear this morning. There's only one victim in an abortion, and that's the aborted child. And until you take away the concept that the woman is the victim, then you'll never bring a woman who went through an abortion to repentance and we'll never stop the abortion. Now, why am I telling you that? Because, Charles, this is going to, it blew me away. Abortion, since Roe versus Wade is overturned, has skyrocketed. Well, how could that be, preacher? We don't even have an abortion clinic in, in, in Arkansas that's open. How could that be? Well, it's, uh, it, it's a pill that as far as I know, and uh, Charlie and I need to spend some time, that's prescribed by a doctor in which that baby in the womb up until 11 weeks right now dies. And so the abortion takes place. That's in America. 
As far as I know, it's legal in every state. So you see why abortions have gone up instead of going down. Now, I'm becoming educated on this as, as I go, and I'll just tell you that right now, there's a bill, HB 1174, uh, in the state of Arkansas that has been filed. Uh, matter of fact, Richard Womack from Arkadelphia, and for you guys over that way, if you don't know Richard Womack, he is a, he is a prince of a guy. He has filed the bill. They had a Senate sponsor, but because of pressure from uh, the Republican Party and pressure from pro-life group, this uh, senator has redrawn his support for the bill. So the bill can't go forth in the Senate without a sponsor. So that's a, that's a prayer concern. Uh, and and I, I wish that I had brought uh, the statement this morning uh, from Larry Page uh, uh, to, to read you the quote. But Larry Page called the bill a good bill that needs to be passed. But in the last few days, I can tell you that Larry Page is getting all kinds of political pressure to withdraw his support for this bill. Uh, so let me, let me just tell you this. At the moment the egg and sperm comes together, there's a new life and a do, new DNA. Did you hear me? And the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. That's just as basic as you can get. Now, I would tell you that in the case of a woman being raped or something like that, that you do have two victims. But you know what percent that is? Of all abortions? Very, 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 very small. One percent or so. That's the only case. And, and you know any woman that was raped and has a child and decides to have abortion, you know nobody's going to bring charges against that woman. But just think about this. Are there not laws every day that you would break if there wasn't a law against it? Come on now. Amen. Me included. Well, until it's a crime to commit abortion, there's no deterrent. There's no repercussions. So, uh, I mean, I went to this conference, and y'all will probably wish you didn't send me down there, but uh, I got my eyes open. And we got, we've got a guy in Arkansas. His name is Russell Threat. He used to be at First Baptist Church. He's at West Side, West Fork. I can't ever get the second part of the West in Ozark, Arkansas. And he is, he is known throughout the United States for his push to, uh, to overturn, or to abolish abortion. So I want to talk to you about human life, and, and I won't be long. So all of you know the scripture, and it's in Psalms 139, 13, and 14 if you want to turn there. And you don't have any notes today, and Pablo's got limited notes, but we're going to push on. You know what it says. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So, you have heard from Charles about what the Howard County Call is doing to help children that are born. And they need a hand up. So, I want to talk to you about three things this morning. I want to talk about dignity at birth. I want to talk to you about dignity 
at death. And I want to talk to you about dignity for those that need a little hands up, a little bit of help. And I'll be quick about it. So I told you already at the moment that the egg and sperm come together, another person like no other has been created at that moment. Now, all of us, we can, we can go back, you know how old Jeannie and I are and how old some of us are. You know, we've all done things as far as uh, birth control in the past that today we wouldn't do again. But you know what? Once we're found out, once we know better, we we'll ought to do better, amen? We ought to realize and consider what we're doing. At the zenith of God's creative activity, He made man, male and female, in His own image and in His likeness. Who did that? God did that. An individual human being. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He created that baby when that egg and sperm came together in his image, created it for a purpose, and he created it to have some responsibility over his creation. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. From the dust of the ground, God made a living creature whose material body was earthly, it came from dust, but whose source of life was divine, whose very makeup was from God. Now think about that. Created by God, from God, with an with a image of God, who in, their, who in their right mind would think about destroying that unique human being? Man was created uniquely by God. Since God's the creator of human life, all human beings belong to God. You know, I, I think about that term, it's my body. Well, here's our reply to that. So is there another body in your life or in your womb? Somebody say amen. There's two bodies here. Well, who's looking out for that one in the womb? Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Humans are unique, and even before thou shalt not kill, they were especially protected by God. Before the Ten Commandments. You know what happened before the Ten Commandments? Uh, uh, Genesis 9, 6 came. You know what that says. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Before the Ten Commandments, God looked at the human being as being somebody special and somebody unique. Would that not surely include the innocent blood in the womb? Would it not? Would it, would it include just those that have been born? Or is there individual blood and is there individual life in the womb? Did you know that Jesus was once an embryo? 
in the womb. So don't you think we've gotten just a tad bit insensitive to this thing called an abortion? And we kind of put it out of our mind. And we don't want to think about it. We surely don't want anybody to be too graphic about it. 2 Kings 8.12 says, And Hazel said, Why does my Lord weep? He answered, Because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set fire on their fortresses, and you will kill their young men with a sword. Listen to this. And dash in pieces their little ones, and will rip open their pregnant women. When you read that in God's Word as we read through every year, does that not just give you the, oh, the willies? That's what we're doing. We're, we're violently going in the womb of a woman and destroying a life. And is it any worse uh, physically with instruments than a pill? We're still destroying life. Amos 1.13 says, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. Now, from all Scripture, I've spoken to you about now, but let me speak to you just practically for a moment. The only difference for a baby in the womb and out of the womb is their location, their size, their level of dependence, and their level of development. But these are not even relevant when deciding one can be killed and the other must live. A life is a life no matter the location. It's it's still first degree murder to murder me in my home or murder me here at the church. Listen, we've got to get back to realizing that abortion is the murdering of an individual made in the image of God. Now look, if you're here this morning and you have had an abortion, thou shalt not kill. If you allowed it, if you were a man and you encouraged it, If you participated in it in any way, stop claiming victimhood and repent and ask God for forgiveness. And you can be forgiven. You know, it's the Ten Commandments. uh, Break one, you broke them all. One's not greater than the other. It's not the unforgivable sin unless you don't ask for forgiveness for it. Unless you repent. Roe versus Wade may have been overturned. Abortion is legal in every state. Dignity at death. Now, this is a trend that concerns me. I'll just be open with you about it. Because I'm at a lot of bedsides where people are dying. And I see some things going on that really concerns me. And I want to speak to you just a little about it. That trend that concerns me is euthanasia. The painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease 
or is in an irreversible coma. That's the, differ, that's the definition of euthanasia. The practice is illegal in most countries. This prohibition against murder applies to all human beings, including the elderly, those who are terminally ill, and those who wish to die. Intentionally taking the life of any of these people would break the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Nations that have allowed for physician-assisted suicide finds that a society can quickly move from merely allowing the right to die to the belief that there's an obligation to die on the part of the elderly or of very ill people who are draining resources from society. That's, that's the progression that you make. In cases where it is clearly known to be the patient's wish to be allowed to die, we're not talking about a whole issue here, but I want you to listen closely. When there's no reasonable human hope of recovery, where death seems imminent, listen carefully, there's nothing wrong in allowing the person to die quietly. Uh, somebody here just recently uh, had a good example of this with their, their, their dog, their dog that they loved, right? Uh, well, let me tell you, I, I know something about dogs. Uh, I'll, I've always had one. Uh, I, I had all kinds of dogs growing up. And let me tell you, when a dog gets sick and the dog gets to the place he's going to die, let me tell you what that dog wants to do. He just wants to go off to his favorite place and he just wants to lie down and be left alone and let him die. Okay? All right, I'm going to read you a scripture. Genesis 49, 33. You know, Jacob had 12 sons. Y'all want to do them, the 12 sons? We won't do that. Jacob had 12 sons. And so he called all of his 12 sons to him, and he gave his sons uh, their blessings, and he gave his sons his curses, right? And then it says this. He drew his feet up to him. You know what that means? He got in a fetal position... And he drew his last breath. I tell Jeannie all the time, look, if I get sick and I want a drink, give me a drink. If I want something to eat, give me something to eat. But if I'm sick and going to die, just leave me alone and let me die. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's biblical. But then you have all the issues with removing a person from life support. You have the issues of uh, pain control. You have the issue of hydration. You have the issue of antibiotics. And sometimes this pain control can get into the place of hastening death. I'm talking about there's some complicated issues. That, now, how do I know this? I was there when my mama died. I was there when Jeannie's mama's died. I was there when Jeannie's dad died. I've been there when other people have died. And I've heard the language and I've heard the conversations of what's going on. Now listen, I want to tell you, you need to think about the end of life and you need to think about your own death and the death of your loved ones and you need to talk to them about it while you can still talk to them about it. And you need to find out what their wishes are. And I, I know this from experience. 
I don't know how much pain this person dying might have had. And I think sometimes the pain medicine is more for the family that's around the bed than it is for the person dying. It's wise and loving for people who are still in good health to complete the appropriate legal and medical forms to make known their wishes regarding medical care at the end of life. Don't leave your wife in the dark. Tell her what you want done. And then whatever their wishes are, stick to it. Be specific in telling people how you want it done. And, uh, oh, any of them. Jan, Jan's gone through it like we have. Bob Williams, there's lots of people. Uh, if you don't know what to do and you want some help, we'll help you. Okay, now just for a second, I want to talk about dignity for those that need care and compassion. You guys are here today, and you're, you're here as our guest. And... Uh, I know for sure you know what we're talking about, and we may not know, but kids uh, need dignity and they need care. And there's special times in their lives that they need that. That's why Paul was so choked up. And I can tell you all a whole more of his testimony that he's told me, but, but I won't get into it. But, uh, and I think Paul said it, but I want you to hear it. Those foster parents that he had no respect for at that time and, and, and wasn't uh, very easy to deal with, he knows that they had a tremendous impact upon his life. And, and he can think about those foster homes that he went through that took him to church. And, and you guys all know the scripture. We, we read it next door this morning. Here's an opportunity that you have with each one of those foster kids that, that nobody else has. 2 Corinthians 13. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14 and 15. And, and basically what 15 says, it says, How from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So you have an opportunity to share Scripture with them, to share Jesus with them, so when God gets ready in their life, He brings back that Scripture that you talk to to save their very souls. And you have the opportunity to do that that somebody that doesn't take in these kids with a handful doesn't have. So I want you to, and, and just think about this. And I, and I bet you, I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't, I'm not even going to embarrass them to tell you how many, how many kids Charles and Ginger have had. But I know they know their names. And think about this privilege. Even though they're not in their house today, Charles and Ginger are still praying for them today. So what an opportunity you guys have. So church, you, you heard him say they need help. They need more families. Uh, and, and, and I'm so appreciative, and I'm so appreciative of Jody. She, she always keeps us up to date, and, and I'm glad that they've got money, and I'm glad that they don't have to give these kids hand-me-down stuff so they can buy them new clothes. Well, what a blessing. Listen to James one twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, 
to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself and stain from the world. We, we, we have two thoughts. You single women may not realize it, but we have two basic thoughts here at the church when it comes to taking care of others. We want to look after our single women, and we want to look after the orphans. Amen? And I think that's the heart that we ought to have. Isaiah 117 that I began to read at the beginning, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow's cause. We need to do better at doing good. Wouldn't that be good for all of us? We all can do better at doing good. And we just read what good is. Uh, in one of the devotions that uh, I'm doing this year, I've done it before, but I read the forward this year, and he had two goals for the year. The two goals were let me be more holy and let me be more useful, right? We could add to that, let us do more good to orphans and widows. That'd be good. We need to have more than enough loving, caring Christian homes, church homes, that are ready for those just born to adulthood to have a warm, loving, godly home to go to. Molly and, and, uh, and Lance and the boys were into foster care back a while ago. It's, does it not seem like it always comes, the phone call comes right before bedtime? I'm, I'm sure it's right before dead time and you think, what are we going to do? You got, a, you got a baby in the house or you got a 15-year-old in the house and you're, you're thinking what to do now. So we need to consider this. We need to support these families. With financial resources, amen, and you are, uh, and I don't know if you guys know this, we probably have nine or ten groups that we give money to. Y'all get the most. Of all the people that we give to, you get the most. And I can tell you, there are a couple of reasons that you're do we do that. We think the cause is great, and we, you guys are local. So we're, we're, we're thrilled to tell you that all of the outside sources that we give to, you get the most. We should each day... And every day be asking God, what more can we do? Amen? What more? Thank, thank you, the call of Howard County, for celebrating with us today. And may God richly bless your God-ordained work. May God bless you. Billy, you want to close us? You can invite everybody to lunch, too. <laughs>